Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, new every Thursday on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode, and thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, please follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page for info and updates on all fronts. All the interviews you hear on this podcast originate on my Sirius XM radio show. That is Trunk Nation and heard live Monday through Friday on Sirius XM channel 103 Faction Talk or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Also nightly re-airs at midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific on 103. Be sure to listen to The Daily Show if you're only listening to this podcast. And you can get SiriusXM. You are only getting a tiny taste of what I do on the radio each and every day. So please come on board and join me for The Daily Show. Sixth show on Mondays on Hair Nation. Syndicated FM show. And now the new YouTube show, That Rocks with Don and Jim. My That Metal Show partners. That's live every Wednesday, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on YouTube. And archive to watch whenever you want. Please be sure to subscribe at That Rocks on YouTube and join us every Wednesday night. Again, live at 7 Eastern or watch it anytime you want on YouTube. So lots of shows, lots of ways to connect. To my count, that's about nine shows a week. Appreciate you connecting with me however you do so. Got a great, extensive, expansive interview for you this week that happened very recently. Last week, as a matter of fact, we're fast-tracking this one to get it to you on the app, or I should say uh, on the podcast. Uh, And it's with John Five, a great, great friend of mine over the years and an extraordinary guitar player who is now the newest member of Motley Crue. Ever since John joined John Five, ever since John Five joined Motley Crue, I should say, people have been asking me about having John on because he had been a regular guest with me for years on both radio and TV, and everybody knows we're buddies. But obviously, with him joining a major band, there was going to be some time, and he is going to be at the direction of that band as to when he can and cannot do interviews. Well, he finally called me about a week and a half ago. He said, I got the green light, and he always promised me the first interview he would do once he joined Motley Crue would be with me and on my daily radio show, Trunk Nation, on Sirius XM. 
And good to his word, John 5 did his first ever interview with me about being in Motley Crue, leaving Rob Zombie, and everything else. The interview's almost, I think, almost 90 minutes long. So we had a lot of catching up to do. Now, I was in touch with John off the air throughout everything, but this was the first time he could go on the record since becoming a member of Motley Crue. So without further ado, let's bring it to you right now. This big exclusive from last week that aired live on Trunk Nation on Faction Talk 103 on Sirius XM, now coming to you as a podcast, John Five's first interview since becoming a member of Motley Crue. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Now, it is with great pleasure that I welcome to the show, and this is the first time I can ever say this in the many, many, many times this guy has joined us on my radio and or TV shows. This is the first time I, have, I am ever doing this. Introducing him as Motley Crue guitarist John Five joining us right now. Man, does that feel crazy to say. <laughs> hey, hey, Eddie, how are you, buddy? How do you feel when you hear that, buddy? <laughs> I, I, it's incredible. It's like a dream, you know? It, it really is a dream, and I feel like I'm going to wake up one morning and go turn to my, you know, wife and go, whoa, I had this dream, you know, I was joined Motley Crue and, you know, <laughs> making all these great concerts and doing all this stuff and people, it's, it was, you know, I feel like I'm dreaming. It really is incredible. It's just an absolute dream come true. And it's, you yeah. know, with, with my great friends, it's with my buddies, you know? Right. And, you know, and you just happen to be on a giant plane traveling around the world with Def Leppard playing stadiums. It's it's like I can imagine it's like a dream. I know it's absolutely a dream come true. It really is a dream come true. Hey, before we get into stuff, I'm curious because you're I mean, our bond since we've been friends is the fact that you're such a music geek like me and you're a bit younger than the guys in Motley, I believe. So when was the first time as a fan you saw Motley Crue? Well, the first time I saw Motley was the Theater of Pain Tour. Now, I remember when they were coming to town with Ozzy on the Shout the Devil Tour, and um, my mom wouldn't let me go. You know, it was downtown Detroit, and uh, she just wouldn't let me go. And I remember thinking to myself i was in my friend's kitchen thinking wow motley Crue's on stage right now but the first time i saw him was theater of pain and <laughs> true story i was sitting in front of hold on that's the phone i was sitting in front of the uh speakers and it was so loud i mean when I say it was so loud, it was so loud. And this is the first time it's ever happened to me. It made me nauseous. And I've never gotten nauseous like that. It made me nauseous. And I had to go walk up the stairs and sit down. 
And then I actually talked to Nikki about this. I was like, man, dude, that it was so loud. It made me nauseous. What the hell? You know, it's just funny to remember like bits and pieces of your, you know, these amazing concerts I went to. Yeah. I, I first saw them with Ozzy and it was the, uh, you know, it was on uh, shout at the devil, if I recall. And then, and I have a photo to this day because uh, I was just started in radio, and I have a photo of this day of to of me and Mick backstage, and uh, it's eighty three or something like that. And I just I went on stage with Ozzy that night for part of a radio oh promotion. God. Yeah, I remember all that. And then when it came to Theater of Pain, I remember they. I'm pretty sure they played the Beacon Theater in New York. I know I have the ticket stub. I know I was there. And afterwards, there was a party for that record at a club somewhere because I got, I was just starting in the business because I got an invite to that too. And I still have that stuff all stashed away somewhere. I have to find it, but it's a lot of great memories from back in those days. And it was a band that, you know, you're, you're such a huge Kiss fan like me. In some ways, Motley had that kind of impact on you, especially in those early years. Of course. I mean, I remember loving Motley Crue. Like when Livewire came out, I was just, I loved it so much. And I remember when they were playing the Us Festival, I was, it was like I was going to a concert, but I was just going to watch it on cable TV, you know? But I felt like I was going to a concert because I was that excited to see Motley Crue and Van Halen. And I remember watching it, just loving it. I, I probably enjoyed it more than going to a concert because. You know, you could you were comfortable. It sounded great, and you know, you weren't out in the blazing sun or something like that. But I remember it was incredible. Yeah. All right. So let's, because you and I appreciate you doing this. You said people have been asking me ever since you joined the band, how come John's not on? And I, I reassured everybody. I said, look, John, I talked to John. Still, obviously, you're joining a major band. You, you know, the timing has to be right when they feel comfortable putting you out there a little bit. Uh, you wanted to get some shows under your belt before you spoke as, about being in Motley Crue. And I respect all that. And you always said to me, when I am ready to talk, you'll, you'll do, I'll do the first interview with you. And I thank you because you're of your word and you're, you're absolutely doing that. So let's, let's go back now because nobody's even talked to you because there ha you haven't done any press about your end in Rob Zombie. So what can you tell us about that? And when did the opportunity to join Motley Crue, because I know you've worked with those guys. Everybody knows and following you on social and knows that you and Nikki have became, became very close. You've done some writing with them in the past. So when did this kind of transition first get on your radar? Take us through the, the earliest part of this. Well, I've been friends with, you know, Nikki and Tommy for ever, forever and ever and ever. Um, I was so close to, you know, I'm so close to Nikki. Like we talk like, you know, probably 80 times a day for, you know, uh, a decade. And, and we've done so much work together, uh, wrote amazing. We worked on the meatloaf song together. Uh, the monster is loose 6am of course, LA rats, the dirt. And, um, but other than music, we're just always around. I mean, he was the best man at my wedding and we always go to the mall and, you know, ride bikes and just do total normal stuff. And so when this came about, 
you know, we're talking to each other on tour, like, all right, dude, I'm going on stage. And he's like, all right, dude, I'm going on stage. I'll talk to you after the show and blah, blah, blah. So it was, you know, we talked pretty much every day when he was on tour and I was on tour at the same time with the zombie, the zombie thing. And we were doing freaks on parade. It was great, you know, great shows packed to the nine and having a good time and laughing and making music. And then um, the tour ended, went home. Actually, I went to do some Creatures shows, my instrumental thing. And um, Motley was finished. They were off tour and I was still doing some shows. And Nikki called and said, listen, um, Mick is going to retire and we have these obligations from live nation to, you know, we have South America booked, we have Europe booked. Do you, do you want to come on board? And I was, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's just like, uh, it's just like your brother asking you or something like that. And, um, but the, now the hard part was, you know, telling Rob because, you know, we never had a, you know, a negative word between us, you know, and he's my buddy and we make great music and great live shows together. And, you know, for 17 years and we never really had a problem. And, but I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, I, life is short and I'm being completely honest with you, Eddie, life is short. I want to experience as much as I can in life. And I was thinking about myself, you know, and I was like, I kind of, I want to do this for me because, you know, I'm 51 years old at the time. And I was like, I want to do this. I want to experience this. How many times you get a, a, a new chapter in your life at this magnitude, you know, later in life. And I talked to Rob and, you know, he understood Rob is a smart, rational person. And I mean, he wasn't psyched, but he understood. And, you know, I think that was amazing of him. And he was just like, he was just like, go get him. You know, he was, he was, he was fine about it. And then, you know, he, they got Riggs, who I think is a great, great addition. And that's who he was using with, um, you know, when they uh, robbed the early solo records. And I think it's a great addition and they're kicking ass. So, John, was the because you it was announced that you were out of Zombie and they actually did a show without you uh, prior to it being announced you were in Motley Crue. So was you being you being out of zombie and not doing that show at that time was that because you had already told Rob you were joining Motley or did did you kind of leave and then tell him like what was the timeline there how did that all work I told Rob um before it got out in the press but you know I agreed to Nikki and uh I called Rob and I said you know this is what's happening and we did a show louder than life together. And that was my last show in Kentucky. And then, um, they got rigs and we're rehearsing with him and, um, did the aftershock, uh, 
aftershock show. And then it was announced, my time frame is not great, but then I believe it was announced a little bit after that. But it was no, it was no like bad blood or anything. It was no like, you know, it wasn't anything bad. It wasn't dramatic or anything, you know, and Rob is super cool. And he was like, he was like, Hey, I, I get it. You know, and he was cool about it. Have you spoken to Rob at all since you've been in Motley and left the band? To be honest and all this whole interview, I'm going to be a thousand percent honest. I haven't. And I miss, you know, talking with him and texting with him and, I just, I just am like, you know, I, I, I'm more worried about him not texting me back or not replying. I think that would like really break my heart. You know, I, that, that's the thing. I think I'd be really bummed out about that. So, uh, but I haven't to answer your question. No, I haven't. Well, at least you didn't join Ozzy. Then he'd have a real problem. <laughs> the reason why I say that is because Rob and I always talked about that because for the longest time, Ozzy used Rob's band as the, uh, uh, you know, purged Rob's band, uh, taking members, whether it was Clufetos or any of these guys to, to go join his band. And I've talked to Rob about that on the air. And he's like, yeah, at times it feels like my band is the farm system for the Ozzy band. So if you joined <laughs> Ozzy, then he might have really, and I'm sure you probably have the opportunity to join Ozzy at some point, but that would have probably pushed him over the edge if you went to Ozzy. At least you went to Motley. I mean, I got, I got asked in the 17 years of being the zombie, I've gotten asked to join a ton of bands, a ton of bands. But listen, I am so close with, you know, with the guys and, you know, with Nick too. So close with the guys. It just, something said, you got to do it. And um, it, it's just something I really wanted to do. Because, again, life is short. I want to experience everything. I don't want to be, you know, laying in my bed at 126 years old. That's what I plan to live to be. Um, laying in my bed at 126 years old going, God, I, you know, wish I would have done this, that, and the other thing. But I'll probably say that to myself anyways, you know. So, uh, but it's, it's been an amazing ride so far. With making the decision to leave Zombie and go to Motley, was there any concern with you about the fact that the, you don't know how, like, as fans, I don't think, and maybe the band doesn't even know how long this is going to go. Like, we all know that famously Motley Crue swore they were never coming back from that farewell. And of course, like every band, they did. And they come back and then this stadium tour and it gets bumped and bumped and bumped because of COVID, right? And nobody knew because of the way Motley came back, because they swore they never would, the contract and all of that, nobody knew, like, including myself, and we still don't, did Motley Crue come back just to do the stadium tour? Or is it going to be a full-fledged band that's going to go forward and make records and stay around for another 10 years? If that's the scenario... And of course, it's great for you because you're in and you can make music and records and do consistent tours. But I think at the time, and it seems like that's where it's going, but at the time, nobody really knew, like, 
Was Motley just reuniting to do the dates with Leopard in, in the stadiums, or is this going to be an ongoing thing? So the the longevity factor of this, when it, when it, it it came into making that decision, did that factor in for you at all? Or of were course, you given it? Were you given assurances that like John, you come on board and we're going to go for a while? Well, I don't think there's really insurance with anything. You know, it's the same thing. When you get insurance with something, hey, I, we had an earthquake. Oh, we don't cover earthquake, you know. So there's not really 100% insurance with anything. But I thought, listen, it's the, the common phrase, life, with, you know, life without risk, you know, that you got to have, have risk in your life. And if you don't have risk in your life, it's no life at all, you know, and you and, – um, I was like, well, you know, hopefully we're going to keep rocking this. And, and they seem to be on fire and they seem to be fired up and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And if it was just for South America and Europe and, and just uh, 2023, I want to take that risk and I want to I go for it. But I know that this is going to keep going and – just I'm guessing, but I so far we've been doing a lot, and there's talks for a lot of things in the future. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully we just keep going and going and going and going until who knows? Maybe the 50th anniversary. Who knows? Maybe you know. But I think that it's going to keep going because no one has talked about slowing down. So it's been great so far let's talk about you ended up um so you get this gig it's announced you're in motley the, the it's announced you're out of zombie and then you, and, and i know you can't talk about the legal stuff with mick and it doesn't really involve you so i respect that but you you get this band you get in this band and you have this gig and then it was a while before you did your first show with the band so you were on social media i remember you're doing like motley oh. mondays where you're playing the licks and all of that Right. And, you know, look, I've known you forever. You're one of my best buds and you're you're a great guy and you're you don't have a mean bone in your body for anybody. So when you got into this doing this, you 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 immediately did nothing but respect Mick and did that online and talked about how you're going to respect his playing and, and all of that. So talk a little bit about that and your approach. Now you have the gig. Now you know that in a month or two, whatever it is, you're about to make your debut live with the band. What happens then? I mean, you probably already know the material, but but talk about like uh, figuring out how you're going to do these songs and how what the the approach of staying completely in lockstep with what Mick did. But you're at the end of the day, you're still John Five. You got a resume too. You probably want to do your thing a little bit. So how do you balance that? What's your approach leading into the first show? So, which is an amazing question. I sat back, talked to the guys, and said, "This is what I would like to do." You know, I love Mick Mars. Mick Mars is a huge influence on me. I loved him since I was since. Livewire since Too Fast for Love. And listening to these songs every day, every day is soundtrack of my life and to millions of other people. And I'm being, again, I'm being completely honest. These solos, which I would 
air solo in my car, air solo at the dance, air solo in the classroom. These solos are so important to me. And I said to myself, I'm going to play these solos exactly how they were written because they deserve that respect. It's just like if you get a piece of music from like Mozart or something, you're like, eh, I'm going to improvise on, you know, bar 23. No, you know, these solos are very important to me and they deserve that respect. So, and that's why I play them how they are on the record. And that's why I play the songs, how they are, how they were recorded. But then, you know, lucky enough for me, I get a, a guitar solo in the um, show to do what I do. And I, I, you know, thank the guys for that. I think that's wonderful. But, uh, you know, I just play the songs how they were recorded because I remember going to concerts because you love those certain drum fills or you, le- you love these certain guitar licks and you go to the show and they're different. You're kind of like a little bummed out. So that's why I'm just giving respect to these songs. Did you, when initially when this was all announced, it seemed to be amicable at that time with Mick and the band. There were two different statements that came out that were a bit contradictory, but they everything seemed kind of amicable at that point, at least. We know it's not now. But did you hear from Mick when you took the gig? Did you, have you ever had any interaction with him since you've been announced as his replacement? Of course. Um, me and Mick, you know, we talked all the time. We exchanged Christmas gifts and things like that. And uh, he, when I was announced as the guitar player, we, um, he was one of the very first texts that I got. And he said, you're going to kill it. And, wow. uh, you know, it's good. It's not like it's some stranger coming in, you know. So we have a great respect for each other. And tell me what that first show was like, which I wasn't in town, but you played in Atlantic City two nights with Def Leppard, much smaller place than you would normally be playing on this run. So so tell me about going into the very first show with Motley. Well, it's it's funny. Okay, so first of all, I can't believe you weren't at that show. We were like walking distance from your house i mean i can't believe you didn't come to the show but you were no you were like two hours south of where i live in new jersey but i know Atlantic but City's you know like two I'm hours saying, south but know. i i know i know but i was i was in california or something i don't know where i was yeah everyone's like is trunk here i'm like no but ace Frehley's here <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry about me you had ace and peter there nobody cares yeah, about me trunk being trunk there when you especially with no, them there. peter's here oh, okay but anyway so <laughs> we get on stage okay and for some reason, Eddie, if people watch this video, because there's footage of it all over the place, if you look at this, I'm like smiling the whole time and trying to hold back laughter because I can't believe it. I look at these guys and I'm like playing like, you know, like Wild Side or something like that. And I'm like, it, it was like I was in the video or something that I've watched a billion times on uh, MTV. So it was, we, it was just so much excitement. And there is 
that so much excitement in there and you can see it in my face and me and Nikki are like messing with each other and like he's stepping on my foot and like I'm, you know, hitting him in the nuts and stuff like that. And we're just having a great time on there. And that's, you know, that's what it's about. We just had a blast at that first show. And then that's exactly how it continued for, you know, the second night in all of South America and, you know, the Hollywood, Florida show, we just have a really good time together on stage. The same as we do off stage, you know? You know, the biggest thing, and, and I've not seen the band yet with you in it, but the biggest thing that I noticed from the videos, and I mentioned, I texted you about this that I thought was really jumped out at me, was the fact that, and I mean this with all respect to Mick, but you know, we all know that Mick has been battling this horrible disease for many, many years, which limits his mobility. So the biggest thing that was strange for me to see for the first time in a really long time with Motley is that side of the stage, stage left where you are, uh, with all that movement, you know, you're skipping around, you're moving around, you're, du you're darting back and forth on either side of the stage. You, we've never seen that, that sort of physical movement from that side of the stage in a really long time because of, of Mick's limitations and what he was dealing with. So that was really, you know, uh, Nikki moves a lot. You got Vince moving a little bit there in the middle. So seeing that everybody moving was something that really jumped out at me initially. Yeah, it's just, you know, if you've seen me a million times with Manson Zombie and my instrumental stuff, it's just, you know, it's just what I do. And, and I don't want to change who I am. You know, I, I, I don't want to change who I am. It's just what I do. I play a Telecaster. Yeah, I play it up high because I like playing like that. I have blonde hair. And, you know, because I'm who I am. But... I am also playing these songs, which I love. And I, I think that anyone going into any band should really um, play the stuff, how it was recorded, how it was written. And um, that's, that's exactly what I'm doing. And, and the fans have been absolutely wonderful. The fans have been so kind and so nice. And, you know, in South America, you've been there and all the fans that are outside of the hotel. I went out every day and I signed stuff for people and took pictures. Didn't matter if it was like two in the morning, you know, or, but the fans have been so nice and so welcoming. And that really made me feel really good. Have you felt any, I, I don't think this would be directed at you at all, because again, you had nothing to do with any of this, but since the drama with Mick and the legal stuff that has since surfaced, have you felt any difference in the tone from the fans at all about all this? Um, I don't really, I, not towards me. I don't, I don't think so. It's like, I'm not, you know, I, I, I really, to be honest, and I'm being completely honest, I have no idea what's going on with any of that stuff, but the fans, you know, have been great towards me. And I, that's, I mean, it's been, it's been amazing. In the, in the shows you've done, I don't know how many it's been. Uh, how many do, do, have you done so far with Motley? About 20 or so? I think, I've, no, no, no. I think we've done like 11. I think. Has there or maybe been NFL? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Has I, there I, been I, a, I, a has there been an early highlight 
for you? Is there a is there a moment in the show? Is there a song or two that you like digging into more than others? Is there uh, is there anything that's like in the in the early going here? Is something that's really jumped out at you as an early highlight being in the band? You know, Eddie, I'm. Uh, I, it's it's weird because when they gave me the set list, and they go, okay, here's the set list. I'm not exaggerating or anything. I knew every song. I knew how to play every song except for that we're doing a medley. So I had to learn a couple, you know, little things in the medley, but I knew every song and we, I had so much time until the first rehearsal. I was like, come on, come on, you know? So, but I, I've known all these songs my whole life. So I didn't have to learn, um, any songs, which is so weird when, you know, cause I've joined many bands and, you know, there's a catalog of music. So, um, but every time I walk on stage is a highlight. I know it sounds cheesy, but when that first song kicks in wild side, I'm like, here we go. And I'm, I'm excited every, every night, and, you know, and that's, how it's been. And what about, you referenced this a second ago, that obviously you're a telly guy. You predominantly play Telecasters. To my knowledge, Mick never really did. But uh, talk about, like, like one of the things that I always loved so much about Mick was not only his playing, and, and was, but it was also his sound. I mean, as a, for a single guitar band, Mick had a massive guitar sound. When you now any band you jump into and you already talked about this, you want to replicate what was before you as best as possible. So going, you know, I'm not a guitar player. I'm not a tech guy. I don't know the ins and outs of this, but from a guitar sound standpoint, was that something you had to make adjustments to, to your own rig to maybe get it more in line with what Mick sounded like? Was that something that you had to do? Mick sound is massive. You know, it's, massive and his rig was massive everything about you know mick sound everything was so big but what i was again like what i was saying in the beginning of the interview what i'm trying to replicate is the sound on the record and i'll try to make this not very technical but there is a lot of space there's a lot of staccato in these songs like um, meaning there's a lot of stop and go. There's a lot of stop and go. So like in Dr. Feelgood, da, 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 like those dot does is very staccato. And you have to have a distortion, a lot of distortion, but not too much where it's going to be noisy. And in most Motley Crue songs, there is a lot of that staccato. So I am trying to, really make that where there's not noise in between those hits and making that sound big and, you know, keeping it, but still keeping it where it's very clean, where you can hear everything. And I'm just trying to make it like so much like the record. The reason why is when this happened, when I heard this live, I was a kid and I was seeing ACDC. And I was like, whoa, it sounds just like the record. Same thing with Rush. I was like, oh, my God, it sounds just like the record. And that's what I've always tried to replicate 
in a live situation because there's an art to playing live. It's very difficult to make it, to give that audience, to make it sound really, really, really good. And that's what I'm trying to do with, um, with the sound. And I think it's, it's going really well. Well, this dovetails into what you just said, which I know you said you would, uh, you know, you were fine addressing and open to talking about. There have been, uh, you know, over the decades, actually, uh, rampant allegations about how much of Motley Crue's show is actually live. And Mick obviously sent a shot across the bow when he alleged that Nikki didn't even play bass on the last run that he was in the band with and his guitars and there's been stuff that's been surfaced online and there's videos and all of that. Look, you're, I'm not going to lie. You know me. I am adamantly outspokenly against uh, bands not playing live for a live concert. I get it for maybe a little keyboard part in one song, not a problem. But when bands are stacking vocals and lead vocals and instruments and it's becoming an epidemic, and I truly feel that that's what will kill rock and roll if we keep going down this path that pop music has gone down. So this has become a big thing with Mick and Motley and, and everything and the back and forth on all of that. I know you can't speak about it prior to joining the band because you weren't there. But being in the band now, what can you tell us about what Motley is doing live? I want to say now, I'm here live on the radio, and I'm going to tell you're you. You're actually live uh, right now, right? You're actually talking live. <laughs> I am talking. We're not 100%. talking to. We're not, not talking to AI John Five or anything like that. Right. Not. Not ninety nine percent. Not ninety eight percent. But a hundred percent. Nikki is playing every single note on that stage. Now I'm seeing videos on online. Now these videos, musicians will be able to tell and understand this. If you hit an open note on your bass and you raise your arm up, it's an open note. You don't have to have your left hand on the fretboard. Or if you hit an open note, you can, you know, use both of your arms to put your arms up it doesn't mean you're not playing bass. Nikki plays 100%. Now, here's what makes me crazy. is Well, it doesn't really make me crazy because when people say we're playing to uh, backing tracks or, or I take it as a compliment. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but I take it as a compliment because we rehearse so hard. We even have penalty flags. If someone messes up at rehearsal, we throw a penalty flag at them. But we rehearse so much, and I take it as a compliment because that means we're, we sound that good live. So because in my heart of hearts, I know that, you know, of course, we're playing live. But there is – Nikki hit – if you listen to these concerts that I do with him, you hear bum notes. NFL Live, NFL Draft, you hear a bum note in Home Sweet Home. Do you really think – that we would put a mistake on a, a, a track or something? No, that's it's it's crazy. It's, it's so crazy, but a hundred percent, a hundred percent, he plays every single note on there. Just listen to the shows before you make these statements, because you'll hear mess ups, you know. And that's what rock and roll is. Yes, 
we do rely on technology for backup vocals, for intros, for outros, sirens, horn hits, things like that. Of course, they've been doing that since Dr. Feelgood. I'm not saying we don't rely on technology for, th- for things like that. Backups, intros, outros, you know, uh, things that we can't replicate ourselves. But me, Nikki, Tommy, Vince, we're all live up there. Well, again, and I, I have to be clear about this because this is where I get taken so out of context because I don't have a problem with that. I completely understand if you got a keyboard intro or you got a part or an effect in a song or a siren or something. Of course, that's not what anyone's talking about. But for instance, with a band like Motley Crue, like like to me, the whole thing, like great band, great songs, but let's be honest, it's not rocket science. It's not like... It's guitar-based drums. It's not like exactly. this crazy. So so it should be raw and live and real. And even backing vocals, I mean, there are three women on stage with microphones with you guys, right? So I would see no reason whatsoever, unless those women absolutely cannot sing, which is I don't know why I don't know why they'd be there if they can't sing. Like why would why would you even have to have that for backing vocals if you have three women on stage the whole time singing? Here's why. If you have, and I can't speak for other bands, but if, let's, let's, let's talk about dancers slash backup dancers. If you have dancers like the ones we have moving around, kicking and spinning and all that stuff, you're going to hear this. <gasps> Wild side. <gasps> you know, they're going to be out of breath and they are out of, you know, they are out of breath, but we do there's those backups are very important to the songs and yeah we rely on technology for those backups and you know it's just how it is they're up there dancing but we do have uh background vocals being being played i would tell them not to dance then I would much rather yeah. hear him sing than dance because I I just, you know, I, I went to see the Black Crows recently and they had two women singing backing vocals and they stood there at their mics and they danced and swayed a little bit and they sounded amazing. And it's just like, there's just something about that and that rawness and that realness. But again, I understand this is a thing way beyond Motley, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm glad you've given this clarity. And, and we have to say, John as I'm sure you can attest to, you can only speak about what's going on in the time you've been in the band. You, you weren't there before 11 shows ago. So you don't know what went on back in the day or what Mick's talking about. But, but let me ask you this. um, When you joined the band with you coming in, did anything change in that regard? In other words, from Motley's side in this thing with Mick, they've said, well, one of the reasons why we've had to run so much stuff on track was to help Mick out. So that's been their counter back to him. When you came in and you started rehearsing with them and getting ready for these shows, do you feel like or were you told that maybe some of that stuff is now going to go away because here you are, a guy capable of playing anything and that they can get back to being a little bit more of a you know, a raw band like that? Like, do, so, so do you think your arrival has maybe swayed things back to being more live? Do you get that vibe? Well, when I walked in, you know, it's, again, when you hear these, 
when you hear the technology, there's not much going on because I'm just playing guitar. Nikki's playing bass and Tommy's, you know, playing drums and Vince is singing. But listen, I would like, I would like some backing guitars when I play a solo, but there's nothing, you know, when I'm playing, no, like, and there shouldn't know, be, there shouldn't be. I, no, I love I you, but I disagree with you. A live show should sound live. It doesn't have to sound but, like the record. <laughs> I know, but you just like in my past, you just are so used to having that support under you come in. But what my point is, it's pretty, it's pretty sparse and it's, it's pretty sparse of what is on there. We have a click track, of course, and the, the click track, everything is run by this computer, the lights, the video, the lasers, everything is run by this. It's all, it's all synced together. And, but there's, you know, it's, so we rely on that. Yeah. Like you got to have count-ins and, and things like that. But you know, that brings up another thing, the Tommy Counten thing. Now, this is what makes me crazy. And of course, these aren't musicians. These, you know, the people. And by the way, really John, know. I'm going to jump in on that. I know where you're going with this, and I want you to talk about this. And I actually, I know where you, what you're going to say. And I actually agree with you because I set people straight on that. People alleged, oh, Tommy's not even playing drums. No, obviously, that was a count in in the click. But yes, people don't understand how that works. So go ahead and explain. Right. So, okay, some people have, some people like a cowbell counting. Some people like a digital voice. I actually like a digital voice. Here's why. If you, let's say it's one, two, three, four. And if it's, if it's like a hi-hat or a cowbell and your ears aren't working and you just hear, you know, the third count in, you're like, where am I? But that's why I like a voice because I'm like three, oh, three, four, boom, and then I'll start. Tommy likes a hi-hat. And so that's what you heard. You just heard a hi-hat count in, and then he starts playing drums. That's just a count in. Tommy, the great Tommy Lee, the great fucking Tommy Lee, is, he plays every single note, you know? He's, he's, his drums are so live. And the same thing with Nicky. Like, these guys have been playing these songs for 40 years. Like nobody is on track like that. No, nobody. I actually, they, with, yeah. with the Tommy thing, I actually corrected people on that. I said, no, 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 of course. I mean, the guy's an amazing drummer. Of course he's playing drums. I mean, that that's ridiculous. I, I understood all that. But yeah, when people are, you know, when this stuff is out there, people are looking and, and kind of analyzing every little thing and, and that's going to happen. People don't really understand how it works. Um, right. We're going, I mean, time's flying by here, but I want, I want to ask you about new music because sure. it, on social media, Nikki has posted, I think maybe you did as well, uh, photos, videos of you guys being in the studio and you guys um, working, I think, with Bob Rock again. So what can you tell us about new music since you've been in the band and how far along are things? I mean... <laughs> Again, this is like another dream. Like you're in the studio with Molly Crew, Bob Rock's producing. You're like, wait, what is going on? You know, and I'll try to tell this for the for the listeners, for people listening, because listen, I love this music, and I 
want to hear and try to imagine myself. So I'll try to explain for people that are listening what it's like. So we, I walk in, you know, everyone's there. I meet Bob and he goes, most of the time when I'm in the studio, at least with other things and doing sessions, um, I'll play in the control room. I'll play to a drum track or, or a bass track or something like that. I'll play in the control room. Now, I don't think this has ever happened before, but Bob goes, okay, everybody into the live room. And I was like, what's going on? The live room? So it's this big room and it's where my, my guitars are set up. Tommy's set up, Nikki's set up. And we played these songs. We just play them like we're in a garage and Bob would come in and he was like, okay, let's try this here and that here and this here. Eddie, I'm telling you, it was one of the most incredible experiences ever because, and that's how, if you watch this, uh, I think it's called a year and a half of the life of Metallica and they're working out the black album and they're all in that room and they're just working it out. And I'm thinking, well, you know, we have so much great technology today. We have pro tools and we can blah, 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 but we got in that room and it was like, being in a garage working out a song when you were in high school, it was incredible. It was incredible. And we documented a lot of it too. And Tommy, you know, got his tracks and Nikki, I'm, I'm not just, you know, I'm, (laughs) this is so cool, but Nikki's bass part, everybody was being recorded and we used Nikki's bass right off the floor. I mean, it was that good because I know people think I'm just saying this stuff, but we have been playing so much. We have been playing so much and we used Nikki's tracks from right off the floor. And Bob was like, God damn, Nikki, you know, it's, we just sounded perfect, you know? And, and so, but the songs are so, they're fucking heavy, dude. And, it just, I'm so excited <laughs> and I sound like a little excited kid right now, but they're heavy and they're mean and I'm just, I can't wait for them to come out. I'm just so excited. Well, when you say heavy and mean, when I think of Motley Crue, that's where I kind of, I think a shout at the devil era. That That's the record I would kind of classify as being in that zone. So would you say musically it's kind of in line? I mean, I know it's not 40 years everybody's older, but is that kind of the, the attitude of it? You think, uh, there's, there's some riffs that are heavier, that, that heavier than anything that's on shout the devil. Really? Even like bastard and all that red hot and all that. Yeah. Wow. And what's the plan here? Is it, uh, put out some singles? Are you shooting towards making an, a full album? Like what, how much did you do? We don't, we don't know. I, I really don't know the plan yet. We were just like, I mean, this band works a lot. Nobody's like home. Just like, <laughs> we're like, okay, we're going to go in the studio here and here. I don't really know what the plan is, but I know that we have some fucking killer tracks and I don't know what their plan is. So I try, to, done? I try to be a John, is it done with my, Huh? Is it all done? Like, are there songs completed? Like, totally done? 
Um, I don't know if they're completely done, but I would say they're like probably 98% done. So conceivably, and we've seen a lot of artists do this, and we, you can do that in today's music world. Conceivably, you could we could wake up tomorrow and there could be a new Motley Crue song. I mean, today, Duff McKagan put three songs out out of nowhere. So you, you, you everybody does that from time to time. So I'm not saying you're going to do this, but conceivably that could happen with how much you've done, right? Well, I, I really don't know. I mean, it's still, there's still things that have to be done. It has to be mixed. It has to be mastered. It has to be, you know, talked about. But, you know, there's, I don't know what the plan is. All I can tell you is that it's heavy and it's aggressive and, I think people are going to dig it because me talking as a fan, it's fucking badass. How many songs have you guys written together? We have um, roughly not that. There's not that many. There's not that many. We have a we have a a handful. So I don't want to say too much, but it's not. You know, we have we have like a handful. All right. So, um. You said to me that uh, when we were talking about doing this, you said you were totally cool with talking to some fans and taking a couple calls. Are you still good with that? Absolutely. I love the fans. Why not? Okay. So before, what I want to do is I'm going to ask you a couple more quick things, and then I'm going to take a break. I'll keep you on hold, and then we'll finish up with a few calls from some listeners. But I want to ask you some stuff on a few other fronts. You mentioned sure. the creatures. You, while you were in Zombie, you started carving out a great career for yourself as well, doing your instrumental shows with the trio. Are you still going to be able to do that? And is that something that is cool with the Motley guys when there's downtime, you doing the creatures still and doing your instrumental stuff? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to be going creature crazy. Um, I'm going to be playing all over the place. I'll, I'll always do the creatures and the guys love that. I do it. You know, they, they love that. I do it and they're very supportive of it. And I put out a new song called strung out a little while ago, and yeah. I'm going to do another one. You'll hear it first here on, you know, <laughs> but um, I'm putting out another song called the ghost. And because it's named that is because my signature ghost guitar is going to be coming out um, probably right around the end of May. Okay. So creature stuff will continue both the music and the shows and all of that. Um, like crazy. Absolutely. A thousand percent. I can't not ask you real quickly for people that don't know, John and I, one of our many bonds is we're both kiss freaks and John has the most insane kiss collection. And if you follow his Instagram, which is Knights and Satan Service. Every day he posts a different item that he got. Where, where are we at with the collection now? What are some of the recent acquisitions? You know, Eddie, again, I'm not in the best of moods because at 1227 my time, I was bidding on a record from Zimbabwe, double platinum, <laughs> in amazing condition true story of course true you story. were and i of course got, you were i got i got outbid and i'm <laughs> so upset eddie i'm so i'm like really upset i got outbid and i really wanted this record from zimbabwe double platinum with a red cover <laughs> and i got outbid i put in a bid of twenty four hundred dollars and i got outbid 
man, it's a good thing you're in Motley Crue and, and, uh, in a big band like this, making big money because, uh, you're going to need it just to keep buying all this kiss stuff, man. <laughs> I know I'm so mad, but I'll get over it. I will rise above it. As they say in the song. <laughs> I remember Nikki saying once, once something to me once a couple of years ago before you were in the band, and he texted me. He said something like, "Our, our boy John Five with this Kiss stuff, we we have to cause call, have an intervention, <laughs> something along yeah. those lines." <laughs> Does he give you shit I'm about like, it all the time? But I'm like, tell me about the Creatures of the Night tour, <laughs> <laughs> not about like how how the devil was or how right. tell me about increases of the night and eric carr and blah 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 blah. but right. um yeah i uh like because they come into my house and they're like you know because i have it all set up and all this stuff and, and they're like what the fuck is wrong with you you know <laughs> so it's great i was in your house and i saw the old setup but you told me you've changed it and it's grown into another room so next time oh, I'm out, I have it, to come see the new the new layout. Yeah, it's unbelievably ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, amazing. And and I and and there's a there's a I know because this has been in development for a while, but I'm sure as your story keeps growing, that it constantly needs to be revised. But there there is a documentary coming out on you that was started before you were in Motley Crue. Where's the status of that? Well, it's a documentary that this company is doing on me, and it's about inspiration. It's about going after your dream. It's about staying hungry. You know, it's it's about doing what you know what you want in life, and it's it's a wonderful documentary. We have yourself is in it, of course, Eddie Trunk, and we have Rob Halford. We have Gary from Leonard Skinner. Uh, rest in peace. We have Katie Lang, we have Peter Chris, we have Rob Zombie, we have, you know, there's uh, everybody, there's Nikki and there's Tommy and there's, it's a really cool documentary and hopefully that will be coming out soon. And uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, it's, it's going to be, a, it's a really, really cool documentary about inspiration and going after your dreams. And I saw a tweet or a post from you earlier that there is a there is a restock of John Five loungewear. I need some John Five loungewear, man. How long have we known each other? I have no loungewear. Oh God, it's just <laughs> and this loungewear is really comfortable. <laughs> it is. It is really comfortable. You'll never want to get out of it. I, I'm on planes all the time. I need loungewear. Hook hook a brother up, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I will. I will. Of course. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, you can check out John's merch online, too. It looks very cool. All right, so here's what I want to do, buddy. I want to take a break, and I'm going to keep you on hold. And then when we come back from the break, we will let the, the public say hello to you and uh, ask you some questions. So hang in there. We'll be right back with more with John 5 here on Trunk Nation. Exclusive interview. John's first since joining Motley Crue. And when we come back, a few calls from you for John here on Trunk Nation, 844-686-5863. We'll come right back and wrap up with you asking some questions to John right after this. Talking rock with you every day, live 3 to 5 Eastern time on Faction Talk Channel 103. It's Eddie Trunk. This is Trunk Nation. If you miss anything, you know, just go to the app and you can get caught up. If you're just tuning in, you missed uh, about an hour so far straight with John 5. 
in his first interview since joining Motley Crue. If you're just tuning in, you say, shit, I missed it. Just rewind or go to the app and start from the beginning and you can get caught up on anything anytime you want. We have about uh, 20 minutes left to go in the show, and John has been nice enough to hang in there with us during the break and also uh, be okay with taking some questions from the audience. So we're going to do that right now. Uh, John, uh, here we go. We'll get into it with some uh, some listeners. Here is Jeremy, who's been waiting since the beginning of the show. He's in Kentucky, and he wanted to jump on and say hello to you, John. Go ahead, Jeremy. How you doing, Eddie? Hey, uh, man, you're on I with John. Go ahead. Uh, all right. I just say you're on my bucket list, John. Five to see you, man. So uh, I got I got two questions I want to throw real quick at you. One, I listen to all genres of music, but I I, I see on uh, YouTube when you was playing with Manson, you was playing a song and he comes up and he shoved you and you threw your guitar on the ground and y'all started pushing back and forth. I was just wondering if that was part of the deal with the stage set up or did he really piss you off when he when he pushed you and you slammed your guitar down and then my next question is i'm a ray wiley hubbard fan and i want to know how ray wiley hubbard got you and lizzie hell to play with him uh, all right well jeremy that those are great questions and here's the thing jeremy i promise you and you know when i keep a promise i keep a promise but if we're anywhere close to you um i will set you up with a backstage pass and uh it doesn't take long for a handshake and a picture so you just uh you just message me on my instagram and i promise you i will take care of you and and we can cross that off your bucket list so the question about the manson incident and again with all with all these questions that I'm saying today and talking about, I'm going to be completely honest. So, what and this is in the there, doc, by the way, John. We should tell people when that doc comes out. You co- that well documented Manson guitar thing, which has been on YouTube forever. Th- you talk about this in the doc too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and you know I do talk about this in the doc, but I, you know, I want to answer uh, Jeremy's question. It's I, I'm going to be honest. My sister passed away at this time, and I was my body went into a complete shock because it was very unexpected, and I was awake for many days. Uh, for some reason, just being in that state of shock, I couldn't go to sleep, and it wasn't because any substances or anything like that. Am I just? I was just you know in a state of shock, and so what happened? What Manson did, he didn't really do anything. I mean, things like this happened all the time. And I'm embarrassed of it because it kind of was my fault. I was so angry inside and so tired and exhausted. I just snapped. And I, I didn't even know what was going on, but I just freaked out. And it was very unprofessional of me. And, uh, I should have, you know, I don't even know why I did that. Cause nothing really happened. And it, you can hear Manson talking to me and he was saying, don't bring your family into this, pick up your guitar, finish the song. And I just, you know, that's the truth. And I, you know, was pretty embarrassed about it actually. Uh, and who was the person he was talking about you playing with? 
Oh, Mr. Hubbard. So it's this great, great country, country artist. And, um, uh, I did a, uh, he's on big machine, the record label that I'm on with the, uh, creatures and Lizzie Hale and myself, we did a song with him and, uh, like it was so much fun and a, and a great, great country, uh, great country star. It's, it's just wonderful. And you also, we should mention, you and Nikki contribute to this Dolly Parton rock record coming out too, right? Yeah, we, we, you know, Nikki, I was, I was so excited. And so Nikki goes into the studio and he's playing bass and he's doing his thing and he's just, you know, knocking it out. And I'm like, and he goes, it was really Nikki who brought me into this because I know the Dolly people. And he goes, dude, why don't you pick up a guitar and play? And I was like, okay, so, you know, you know me, if any chance to play guitar, I'll take it. And so I'm doing all this stuff and I'm picking and playing the song, you know, and all this stuff. And we sent it to them and they loved it. So, you know, it was just, it kind of happened um, a happy accident. Nikki literally said, dude, why don't you pick up a guitar and play? And I was like, okay, you know, so um, it happened like that. So you can add Dolly to the resume, too, along with all the other people you've written and played with. That's a pretty cool one as well. It's let's, cool. Uh, let's say hi to Carlos in California. Carlos, you're on with John Five. Hey, John. What a great pleasure to speak with you, man. Really appreciate the opportunity. Um, hi, Carlos. As great, of a, as great of a guitar player and musician as you are, to hear you speak, it makes, makes me think that you're probably even a better person. So thanks for, thanks for that, man. Um, well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And I've always been like this, like in, you know, school and everything. I always, you know, I'm the guy that said hi to everybody in the, you know, in the, in the hallway. And I just treat people how I want to be treated. And that's how I've always lived my life. You know, well, we really appreciate that as fans of you. So thank you. Um, thank you. So my question for you is Molly Crew was my absolute favorite band growing up as a kid. I'm 50 years old now. So I grew up with Too Fast for Love, Shot the Devil, Theater of Pain, those great albums. Um, for me, I think Shot the Devil of all the Motley Crue albums had the biggest impact on my life. It could have been the age I was at the time and started to learn to play bass guitar. So I'm just curious, do you have a favorite album or song from Motley? I know it's kind of a uh, cliche question to ask, but I'm just curious if there's a, a specific album or, or song from Motley that had a huge impact on you. I would say... Just like you, Carlos, I would say my favorite is Shout the Devil, and then I would go to Dr. Feelgood. The reason why is I would play Shout at the Devil so much. I mean, so much. I even got a BC Rich because of McMars, you know, when I, was, when I was a kid. I loved it so much. But then in with Dr. Feelgood, I remember I was in California, and we were just – I was driving around, and what what year did Doctor Feelgood come out? I'm bad with years. Anybody? So my, I, I want to say eighty nine ish, maybe. Yeah, eighty nine ish. Yeah. So I remember listening to that record, going, "This is absolutely incredible." I mean, all I love Theater of Pain, and of course we love Too Fast for Love, but those two albums had such an impact on me, and I can like recall where I was when, you know, listening to these records. And I think that's what is so powerful about music and magical about music is that it can give you this sense of feeling and memory when you were uh, younger. And I, and it, you listen to it 
again today and you're like, wow, it brings back that feeling. It's so hard to explain, but it, it does have that magic. So, yeah, I would say Shot the Devil and Dr. Feelgood for sure. I'm too fast for love all the way. I mean, I like stuff obviously after that, but too fat. That first album is still. Oh yeah. It's incredible. Incredible. Those songs, song for song. And there's so there's a rawness, there's a glamminess, there's a poppiness, there's metal. There's like all this stuff coming together. And just, uh, it's so, uh, I love, I love that record. Um, Me too. Okay. Let's talk to Jim in Pittsburgh with the remaining time that we have a few more minutes left with John five, Jim, go ahead. You're on with John. Hey, Eddie. Eddie, I just want to remind you, NFL schedule's out tomorrow. And speaking of the NFL, John Five, you played at the NFL draft. Uh, what was that like? Uh, how did you get that gig? Was Roger Goodell a Miley Cool fan? Or, like, <laughs> is that playing at a show like that? Is that any different, like a regular show? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, that's a great question. And I'll try to make this quick. Eddie, how much time do I have for this, for this question? Mm-hmm. We have a total of about eight minutes left total in the show. Okay. So I'll tell you exactly how it came about. We're flying. We're in South America. We're on this massive plane. I mean, this plane is huge and it's us and Def Leppard and all of the road crew. And it's like, you know, seats like 500 people or something like that. Something ridiculous. And we're flying and we're having plane troubles and i hate flying i hate it and we're like you know the the landing gear won't come up and we have to like circle over the ocean and i'm i'm losing my mind i have like a parachute on i'm like freaking out and everybody like you know everybody's like kind of like you know kind of freaking out a little bit but nikki comes up and he goes hey dude we're gonna play the nfl draft isn't that awesome i was like ah! you know? who cares we're not playing was, anyone anywhere we're crashing yeah. in two minutes <laughs> yeah and so he was like oh dude i don't know if we're gonna make it out of this one and i was like ah oh. you know leave me so alone. he was he, he was winding yeah. you up obviously he was winding me up, of course, but, um, but everything was fine, of course, you know, and, and the funny thing is Tommy was sleeping through this whole thing and we landed safely. And Tommy was like, are we here, dude? And he missed the whole thing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like sweating profusely anyway. So they said the NFL draft, we're going to play. And I was, you know, super excited and it's live, you know, live TV and live, you know, it was, it was incredible, but it was so big. It was, I mean, there were so many people there. It was like, you know, when you see a sea of people, you couldn't even see the end of it. And it just went on and on and on and on forever. It was an incredible experience. And I'm very proud (laughs) Because, you know, I listen to everything when I get home, like on YouTube and everything. And I was so proud because it sounded so good. You know, it we I think we played really well and everybody, you know, did did a great job. So I'm very, very pleased with it. And you're not even a sports fan, right? So you were probably just like, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what's football? (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, I know you're not into sports, but most people would have been like out of their mind. Just like, Oh, this is a cool gig. Why are so many people here wearing football jerseys? But where Nikki was, was like, probably, Nikki was probably totally into it because he, he was, he used to play football. I talked to him for his last book and the eye, the liner under his eyes, he told me and talked about in the book. It came from when he played football, when guys wear that playing football. So he must've been like really geeked up to be there. Listen, Nikki, Vince, and Tommy are football maniacs. Maniacs. They worship this game. And I'm like, oh, football, yeah. Like when Kiss went to the, you know, Cadillac High and they did the football thing. <laughs> Everything goes back to Kiss. Everything goes back to Kiss. And you're right. I forgot oh. Vince. I've been to football parties with Vince. And uh, he loves his dolphins. I, I got a funny story about mm -hmm. that, which we don't have time for. But, yeah, the, everybody else would have been eating that up, no doubt. Let's see if we can squeeze uh, one or two more in here before we have to wrap up. Here's Cameron, who's in Phoenix, joining us right now. Hey, Cam. Hey, uh, Eddie. I've been a fan of you since the That Metal Show days, and congrats on 40 years. And I'm excited for That Rocks and uh, your continued success and uh, everything. And, John, I've been a fan since um, – well, since you actually were, I got introduced to you from uh, that metal show when he would have you on and you did your solos and every, everything. And I've followed you throughout the Rob Zombie days and everything like that. And uh, yeah, just like that other caller was saying about the, the NFL draft. Um, yeah, I watched the full performance on YouTube and man, you, you killed all that stuff. And it was interesting because I'm used to seeing all those old videos with, uh, you wearing like makeup and, and stuff through for the Rob Zombie and obviously Marilyn Manson days. And so it was interesting to um, see you play, you know, on natural as, you know, one would say, but my question actually, I guess pertains to Rob Zombie. I know that you said you kind of tenure at this point in the stage is kind of done for now, but we saw, you know, recently, obviously Nita Strauss went back to Atlas Cooper after kind of leaving for a short time and he got Kane Robertson. So I'm just curious if you would, um, ever consider maybe when crew is done, maybe go back to, to, to Rob at any point. Well, who can predict the future, but um, you know, who knows? I, I don't know what Rob's feelings are or anything like that. Um, but I love Rob and, and I think they have a great band right now. And, you know, I have, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know, you know, Rob's, how how he how he feels and everything like that so i don't know but i think as of right now i'm so happy he's really happy so things are good you know i just want to focus on what's going on today and i really love i'm i really love thinking about the past and i've i've had a wonderful past you know and i love things like that. I just try to focus on today and who knows what happens in the future. But I, as of right now, I'm, I couldn't be happier. I mean, I wake up with a smile on my face every morning and I'm just so fortunate to uh, be in the position I am. Well, I tell people this all the time about you because they know we're friends. I say, you know, John is one of those guys. I mean, there's a lot of people you talk to in the music industry and they've got a lot of resentment and a lot of bitterness and sometimes for good reason because we all know this industry and this business can be super tough. But, uh, you know, you're and I can say this to my audience and I have and I've told people uh, knowing you as well as I do, 
You've never had a bad word to say about anybody, and uh, you're, you always have that attitude. So good things happen to good people, and uh, that absolutely is the case with you. I mean, I'm thinking about it now. But with with all the people you've written with and worked with, and even just just looking at the bands you've been in, people forget you were in David Lee Roth's band. Some of that music has come out, but you were in back in the day on that DLR band record. DL, uh, David Lee Roth, Manson, uh, making a record with Rob Halford with two, Zombie, now being in Motley Crue. I mean, I know what a music fan you are. That's got to be pinch yourself stuff just to hear me read that back to you. Yeah, I mean, Ricky Martin, Leonard Skinner, Scorpions, Meatloaf, you know, uh, everything. It just goes on and on and on. And that's what kind of like this documentary is about. If you want to do this, do it. You can do it. Because if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. And I've always had that, you know, if someone is listening to this and they're in their bedroom and they're like, go after your dream because that's exactly what i did i lived i lived in a beautiful big house on the lake and i left and i went to dirty hollywood and slept in a room with cockroaches and no bathroom because i wanted to go after my dream and that's kind of what the documentary is about you have to do it because if you don't do it someone else is going to do it Well, love that guy, one of my best buds, and I'm happy for him with that gig in Motley Crue, and I hope it goes well. The band are currently now in Europe where they are touring with Def Leppard. And, of course, we look forward to seeing what Mick Mars has in store. And, of course, John could not comment on all the Motley drama and lawsuits, but hopefully that is resolved quickly and to everybody's satisfaction. Big thanks to John Five for bringing me his first interview, as you just heard right there, from joining uh, since joining Motley Crue. If you are a SiriusXM subscriber, be sure to check out everything on the SiriusXM app. Just punch in my name or Trunk Nation. Everything you hear on this podcast originated on my radio show, which is heard Monday through Friday live on Faction Talk Channel 103, live 3 to 5 Eastern, nightly re-airs at midnight Eastern, and like I said, full shows, interviews, and more anytime you want on the SiriusXM app. Hope you come on board and join me if you're in the U.S. or Canada and you are not already listening every day. And to everybody else around the world, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page. And be sure to check out the brand new YouTube show, That Rocks, with myself, Don, and Jim. We are all back together again, talking rock with you live Wednesdays, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 4 Pacific on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to that show by just putting in at that rocks and becoming a subscriber won't cost you a penny. And you can join us every Wednesday. If you can't watch live, watch anytime on YouTube. Again, just search that rocks. You guys have yourselves a great week. I'll be back next Thursday for another new episode of the Eddie trunk podcast, or hopefully you check, uh, check me out tomorrow and each and every weekday on faction talk channel one Oh three, starting at three o'clock Eastern time live on Sirius XM. Take care.
Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.